Money, money, money. More money, more problems? This is where we talk about everything you need and want to know about finances, goals, relationships, and how they all tie together. You are now listening to the Two Cents Money Podcast. Enjoy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it just me or have we not heard from each other since last year? I'm just teasing. You know, there's always got to be somebody with a corny New Year's joke, right? Well, welcome to 2022. Happy New Year's, everybody. I hope that you guys all enjoyed the New Year's Eve, you know, festivities and parties and get-togethers. You know, that's always fun, especially right after Christmas. You know, it's nice to see family, friends, eat good food, and just chime in the New Year with some positivity. And as always, welcome back to the Two Cents Money Podcast, where I give my two cents on your two cents. And it's your favorite financial coach, Steph. And we're going to spice things up a little bit today. We're going to talk about financial crimes. And I think this is a really cool topic because we have a lot to learn from victims of these crimes and also the criminals who commit these crimes. Because what we can take away from these situations is really how do we prevent them? How do we avoid becoming victims? And what do we look out for in these types of scenarios? The crazy thing is, is today I actually witnessed somebody in my local city and their address was actually changed fraudulently on the USPS website. So you know, the U.S. Postal Service. And for those of you who are not familiar with this, you really don't need too much information when you go to the post office's website when you're doing a change of address to go ahead and basically file to have your mail forwarded to another address. And most people will typically do that if they're in the middle of moving, buying a home, if they've already moved to their new home and they just don't want their current mail going to their old house, then maybe that the old house is still theirs, but it could just be a scenario where maybe they're just waiting for it to be sold, uh, which is not unusual in this real estate market we've seen in the past two years. But what's really strange is that I really have not heard of this being used as a scam or fraudulent tactic to try and get somebody's information, you know, personal information. So the great thing is, and you know, you need to call up your, your local banks, your financial institutions that you personally use, but banks typically do not forward bank mail. So that's like your statements for your accounts, your loans, and so forth, any notices. And this is pretty much the reason why. It helps prevent any type of scams or any security risks, because if you don't notify the bank of an update to your address, they're still going to assume that it's that address on file. So that's just kind of a forewarning because I like to kind of make you guys aware of things that are current. And also one more thing that I've actually come across over the past week or so, and this one's actually a bit daunting. So apparently what's going on right now is there's scammers out there that are actually porting out people's cell phone numbers. So what they're doing is just say, you know, you have an account, you have a cell phone with T-Mobile, let's just say, 
a scammer gets a hold of your information, they port out that cell phone number to whatever cell phone they have at hand, most likely some type of burner phone, you know, something that they, they're trying to avoid being traced. And what happens is now they try to get into different like online accounts that you may have, things like that. And if you're not familiar with MFA, which is multi-factor authentication, a lot of times now when you log into like your bank account or some other type of account online, a lot of them will send you a text code. And then once you get the text, you go ahead, enter your code, and most times it'll let you in as long as it, it matches. Well, here's the problem. So these scammers are now finding ways to port out people's cell phone numbers. And then with the information that they already have at hand, it could have been that these people wound up on some type of uh, list that they purchased off the, the dark web. It could also be something that they've been snooping around on this person's information somehow online or somehow it was given to them. There's so many different ways, but by having that person's phone number, that could literally destroy so many things for the victim because now you're completely taking away their access and their control. And now you have their cell phone to be able to authenticate into so many different things if they have a majority of your information. Your cell phone is essentially almost like a last line of defense in certain scenarios. So just please be very mindful of what's going on out there right now. A lot of people are desperate, which is why we're seeing these types of crimes being committed at an all-time high. And since the pandemic started, what now, two years ago, we've seen a huge uptick in financial crimes like romance scams and these types of scams where they're porting out cell phone numbers, changing addresses. They're just getting desperate at this point. And, you know, we've also seen it too in that first year of the pandemic where it was all the unemployment scams and with the PPP loans. So uh, with that being said, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. You know, plug your headphones in, put your earbuds in, get your cup of coffee, relax, whatever it is that you're doing. If you're jogging on the treadmill, you know, make sure you're tuning in right now because this is a very interesting story that we're going to go over. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And please let me know by hitting me up at two cents money at gmail.com or finding me on my socials at two cents money. We're on Instagram and on Facebook. Let me know if you like this type of stuff, you like this episode, once you listen to it, let me know and I will continue to do these because I think this is a cool twist to teaching everybody about what's really going on out there in the world with finances. And it's a way that we can learn and grow from them. So let's go. He was my life outside of work. Everything he said was just so sweet. I just want to hug him and have him hold me. I just want to hug him so bad. Every single day, he would say something that would just touch my heart. Those are all quotes straight from victims of romance scams on the latest show on National Geographic called Trafficked. If you guys haven't watched it, I would advise you to, you know, tune in. They have really great content and they're talking about things from motorcycle gangs to the drug cartels and even financial scams like this. 
but they literally talk about different topics that are considered some form of trafficking. So it's a really good show. But back to our topic. So it's now 2022, right? Romance scams. I'm sure you've heard of people around the country being scammed into giving away essentially thousands and thousands of dollars to their supposed lovers. And when I say, you know, happening to this country, it's really happening on a global scale. But the problem that we're seeing is that Americans are actually targeted because most people that don't live in this country tend to think that, you know, we either have money or unfortunately that we may be a little bit more naive and prone to falling for these types of schemes, right? So let me ask you this. What if I told you that the FBI estimates that more than 20,000 people lost more than $600 million in romance scams in 2020 alone? That's crazy. Let me repeat that. More than 20,000 people lost more than $600 million in romance scams alone. And that's just in 2020. So on September 24th, 2021, in the U.S. Attorney's Office, Northern District of Texas, 11 scammers were charged with two, I guess you could say two charges, right? One being conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and conspiracy to launder monetary instruments. So the first charge, conspiracy to commit wire fraud. If found guilty, these scammers could face up to 20 years on this charge alone. On the conspiracy to launder monetary instruments charge, if found guilty, these scammers would face up to 10 years on this charge. And what monetary instruments really means in the banking terminology, banking world, is like a money order, cashier's check, some type of quote-unquote instrument that is essentially money, that has a value of money. So most of the 11 people that were arrested were actually a part of an international organized crime group out of Nigeria. And I know what some of you are probably thinking. It tends to be that we hear the country Nigeria being associated with so many different crimes and scams that are just done to Americans. And it's just, it's crazy to see what they really end up doing to kind of snuggle their way into people's finances. So, you know, you might be asking, like, what is it that these scammers, you know, are really being charged with? Like, what in the world did they really do, right? So let's start here. They actually targeted the elderly. And most importantly, they really focused on the elderly who were widowed or divorced. So, you know, everybody knows what widowed means, right? You, somebody literally just lost their spouse. And it may not have been recently, but I mean, anybody who loses a spouse, especially when it comes to it, it, it being by death, that's, just, that's heartbreaking in itself. You know, people tend to be lonely, sad. They're looking for somebody to relate to, and they're just yearning for love and attention one more time. And so between 2015 and 2020, this romance scam group actually scammed victims out of tens of thousands of dollars. So they ended up using dates like Match.com, Christian Mingle, J-Swipe, which I personally never have heard of in my life, 
and plenty of fish. To, so they use these to lure their potential victims into forming, you know, essentially an emotional bond with them. So as time went on, they would begin to use sob stories that were obviously fake to try and get their victims to, you know, just really feel bad for them and just wanna, you know, they wanted to emotionally arouse them to the point where they would want to send them money, right? Willingly, I should say. According to the FBI, some of the stories they used were they needed money to help pay for the taxes to release their inheritance they were apparently owed from a family member. They needed money to help pay for essential overseas travel. So this could have been for, you know, like a death in the family, some type of work-related issue, some type of just personal issue. And then they even asked for money claiming they were in such excessive amounts of debt and they needed financial help very badly. So, you know, the trick that they really used, if you think about it, was to build trust with their victims and really make them believe that they were a possible love interest, you know, to them. And I don't know, like, to me, that just doesn't sit well with me. I don't know about you guys, but that to me is just somewhat sadistic. Like, you're using somebody's misfortunes and, you know, the, the, the state in their life that they're in right now that you you know you notice that maybe they're lonely because obviously a lot of times they scope out like your social media which is why in a few minutes I'm going to go over some tips right from the FBI website but you know they're paying attention these scammers really are not stupid they know what they're doing and a lot of times it's like they 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 really have a script and something that I I really found kind of interesting was when I was watching that show traffic that I was talking about it's crazy because they actually had some of these scammers. Obviously, these people were covered up. Some of them, they had like voice alteration, so they made it like deeper or higher pitched than their normal voice, just so they they felt compelled enough to actually, you know, be a guest on the show. And hearing them talk about, you know, how they do this, it's all literally uh, a big process for them. Right. So like one person on the team, this guy, he's the one that makes sure that they all have their scripts when they're talking to their 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 male or female victims. And don't get it twisted. There's females that actually do this to people as well. This isn't just a a one sex, one gender sided type of of crime here. It's really sad because these people genuinely feel like they're owed this money. They feel like they're entitled to it, that they that you know, Americans actually, you know, owe them this. And this was just according to some of the people on the show. But I mean, it just, it really was, I don't know, it was very eye-opening to be honest, because when, when some of them were talking about this, like they, they literally, like I said, they have a script. They're reading off of a script. They'll obviously make little changes and tweak it here and there to essentially work for their i you know their their current situation if they're talking to sally they're talking to to josie to maria whoever but this was this was all a game to them you know this is literally like a mission to them their mission is to milk whatever amount of money they can possibly get and then they pass it along 
And the person who's in charge of the script, if they pay attention and realize like, oh, this didn't work, they're going back and revising that script. So this is essentially almost like, if you think of it like a call center, right? So some call centers actually have a script that they use if they're doing outbound calling or whatever. This is basically what they're doing, except they're just switching their methods up and contacting people on Facebook. Facebook dating, I guess, exists now. And obviously these other dating websites that I mentioned, like Christian Mingle, Plenty of Fish, and Match.com. So to make this an even more jaw-dropping case, right, some of these 11 scammers were actually also a part of a similar case where 35 people were indicted for a romance scheme that stole $17 million from elderly victims, business owners, and municipal governments. And I didn't mean to chuckle like that, like it's funny. I'm thinking like that, that, that's just ironic to me. That's just crazy that we even have municipal governments in this country that actually fell for these, these scams, right? It's sad. It's really, it's, it's, it's a bad situation to be in. And it's just crazy that it doesn't just affect, you know, uh, a little grandma that we see walking down the street. We're talking about actual local governments that, that were affected by these people. And obviously business owners as well. And I always hate to hear business owners getting scammed because, I mean, for anybody who either has an entrepreneurial background, has, you know, family that owns businesses, you yourself own a business. Um, you know, I have so much respect for business owners because they're doing it from the bottom to the top by themselves or with whatever team that they have. And I hate to see that their hard-earned money and, you know, the, the negative effects that it's going to have on their business, it could potentially shut their business down forever, depending on how much they end up losing. So this isn't, you know, this isn't something that is amusing or entertaining. This affects people's livelihoods and it affects people's lives overall. So, you know, with this ring of 35 people, this actually included them filing fraudulent unemployment claims where they actually got the debit cards. So I don't know if you guys were aware, anybody who may have, you know, been on unemployment or knew somebody that did. So what happened was when the pandemic started, in order for them, I mean them by the government, to get, I guess, you know, get the American people their money faster, I should say, they sent out prepaid debit cards. And some of you may be saying like, oh, well, they've always done that. Yes, but this was just a little bit different because they had to send it on a more grand scale. So a lot of these prepaid cards were through like U.S. Bank or something similar to that. And they were starting to send these out on a very large scale that they've never seen before. So when these scammers would start to get these prepaid debit cards sent to them, they would hurry up, cash them out, withdraw and deplete the entire card. and then go launder the money into other accounts that were associated with their organization. So this could have been depositing money into like a, some type of fraudulent account that they somehow opened up at a, at a bank. Right. And then what we've been seeing as a trend would be like, if they have an account here in the, in the States, they wire it out, for example, to like a, a country like Canada, 
So then once that money hits Canada, they have an account somewhere there. What they're trying to do is they're trying to lose that paper trail. So from Canada, then they're then sending it to their home countries like Nigeria, for example, in this scenario. And that's how they get the money back to, you know, their, their counterparts. So in some of these other scenarios where, you know, it was an actual person that was affected, you know, they would have their victims deplete their savings accounts and then vanish into thin air with absolutely no form of communication once the transfer was done. And something that I actually uh, learned, and I thought it was kind of neat to learn about this, was a special term that's used by special agents that work on these types of cases, especially because there's been such an uptick in these types of cases over the past two years. They call the these people who actually, they, they're known to quickly withdraw or pick up the money that is sent by victims. These people are called a catcher. So if you ever watch any of these crime shows or, you know, continue to listen to this podcast, and if I, you know, still do a lot of these types of crime stories, catcher, like I said, it's a term that they, they use because these people literally assume their job is, they literally have one job, right? That one job is solely for them to, as soon as they get the notification from their boss or, you know, whoever it is that is their ringleader, they have to go to, whether it's a bank, uh, some type of Western Union, MoneyGram, whatever. They hurry up. As soon as it's sent, they get the notification to go. They go, withdraw all the money, and then, or pick up the money, however it's being sent. And their job is to get it to the next point, which would then be whether they're depositing it or whatever, but that is their sole job. So the catcher, that is literally their own, that's, that's their role in this whole scenario, this whole situation. And, you know, what's really heartbreaking to me is that these romance scams are actually really difficult to prosecute for a few reasons. And the first reason actually is sad. It's really sad because you know, some people might be looking at these victims like, well, how could you be so stupid to fall for this? But the problem is, is that, you know, we're all human. And if you think about it, if you're specifically targeting elderly people, especially those that are widows or those that, you know, are divorced, what's the common denominator? They're lonely. And so their loneliness is actually making them vulnerable. So one of the reasons that, you know, these romance schemes are very hard to prosecute is because the victim simply is embarrassed that they were scammed and fell for it. Another reason is that the victim does not feel hopeful in any positive outcome. And then the other one would be the overall fear or shame of coming forward about what just happened to them, their, their, I guess you would say, their situation, right? So something to kind of tie all of this up together. And, oh man, this is tough. So back in 2018, so, you know, just to put it out there, these romance scams, they've been happening for quite some time now. But like I mentioned earlier on, the pandemic has really exacerbated that because we've seen such a high increase in these crimes being done. It's crazy. So in 2018, a woman from Austin, Texas, which her name was not 
released to the public. She ended up taking her own life when she realized she lost hundreds of thousands of dollars to a romance scheme. So when I was doing some digging, it was a ballpark somewhere around the $900,000 mark. You may be wondering, well, where in the world did this person even have that much money? So sometimes it could be from inheritances, sometimes it's from investments. So we're not just talking about people that are just depleting their savings accounts and checking accounts. A lot of the elderly generation, they did not have just one account. So that's something to be mindful of because a lot of the elderly will have three or four accounts on average at different banks. And this was just because they may have experienced the Great Depression themselves or they have seen loved ones like their parents and guardians go through the Great Depression where they had lost a lot of trust in financial institutions. So essentially, a lot of them did not feel safe having all their money housed in one location, one bank, one institution. So they spread it out. So a lot of times this is why they have so much money because they've, they've put it out in CDs. They put it out in different savings accounts, investments. Essentially, they were just trying to make their money grow for them. And it could also be real estate. It could be anything, right? So the 34-year-old scammer who scammed this poor woman, he was actually found guilty and is currently serving an 11-year prison term. And he was actually a part of a large-scale fraud ring where he opened up accounts with nine different banks using fake passports. And it was through these accounts that he opened that he was able to receive the funds from his victims and then obviously like I mentioned earlier, wire that money out. And something to point out was that according to KVUE ABC news station down in Austin, Texas, this guy would also make sure he was under the bank reporting threshold and only withdrew under $10,000 each time. Crazy. So for those of you who are familiar with that, typically anything under $10,000 any type of like withdrawal, it's not usually reported. It's called a CTR, a currency transaction report. And so essentially it's a way for banks and the federal government to, I guess, monitor large transactions, large cash transactions. And this is all because after, you know, 9-11, they don't, I guess their whole main point of doing things like this was to make sure that there's no money laundering, you know, no scams going on, no funding of terrorism, things like that. But the crazy thing is, is that when people are aware of these thresholds and are looking to do fraudulent things, such as scam people out of money, they tend to, they, they, they fly under the radar per se, because they're already aware of what the bank would typically look for. So I, th I found that to be interesting because they did their homework, right? They, they looked it up. They saw that this is a way to essentially try and get away with it or at least cruise under the radar for, for the time being to get this money out of this country and into where it needs to go to their destination. So I guess the ultimate question really is, how can you or your loved ones avoid becoming a victim of a romance scam? And here's some great tips from the FBI's own scam and safety site, which, you know, I just wanted to share because I feel like they're very, they're very valid. And I think they're good points to make. Be careful what you post 
and make public online. Scammers can actually use details shared on social media and dating sites to better understand and target you. So similar to what I mentioned earlier, gotta be careful. You know, you're posting pictures of what your new house looks like, everything that's inside your house. Not, not sure if you guys are familiar with, you know, a lot of these, these music artists, like a lot of the rappers in the hip hop community who have been robbed and killed at gunpoint, you know, within the past year or two, just simply because all they did was show off everything that they had inside their home, everything that, you know, they would wear all this jewelry and essentially, you know, anybody who feels negatively toward you, who wants to cause harm on you, they see that. I mean, envy, envy is a deadly sin, right? I mean, being envious of somebody can really come down to, to just bad things like scamming somebody, robbing them. So just be careful what you, what you post online. And it may sound cliche to some, but that's just the truth. You know, just honestly, just be careful and make sure that you're always aware of what's being posted about you or what you're posting yourself. If somebody does contact you, you know, research their photo. You could re research their profile using things like Google to see if their image, if that name or any of the details that they're sharing with you have really been used anywhere else. And there's actually a way to do like a reverse image search. Not sure if you guys have actually watched um, that show Catfish on MTV that's been around for so long. But that's what they used to do. Nev used to go on, he would do like a reverse image search online, and that's how they would essentially see like, well, wait a minute, there's multiple profiles with this guy's picture. Like, I don't know, something doesn't sound right. So essentially that's what you'll want to try and do to see if maybe they're using somebody else's picture from LinkedIn or another Facebook profile. Another, another good tip is, you know, go slowly and ask a lot of questions. I mean, asking a lot of questions that that really won't ever you know be a bad thing because by asking questions you're you're just trying to find out some information that may just not be sitting well with you in your gut and you always got to trust your gut but just by asking questions you know you can sometimes even scare them off because they're wondering like oh did i mess up <laughs> now they're asking me all these questions oh red flag let me get out of here Another good tip is beware if the individual seems too perfect or quickly asks you to leave a dating service or a social media site to communicate directly. So in the terms of our modern day generation, if they're coming off too quote unquote thirsty, right? Something, some sort of red flag should be going up like, oh, this sounds a little too fishy. Let's pump the brakes here. Beware if the individual attempts to isolate you from your friends and family or requests inappropriate photos or financial information that could later be used to extort you. And I've heard of this too many times. You send, you know, you send uh, a sketchy picture to them, some type of video, and then they say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to forward this to your your." Your mom, or I'm going to forward this to your husband. Does he know what you're up to? Or whatever the case may be. And they're essentially trying to find a way to extort you. So again, be careful. Another tip, be aware if the individual promises to meet in person, 
But then something magically always happens and they come up with an excuse why they can't. If you haven't met the person after a few months for whatever reason, even the pandemic, you have a very valid and good reason to be suspicious. And, you know, quick side note here, having been in banking for nearly a decade now, I've talked to so many people who they think they met this wonderful person online. And after a year or so, you know, I'd be asking, them, oh, well, did you meet her yet? Oh, no, I was supposed to go down to Florida. And now she said her aunt is sick and this and this and that. A few months down the road. Oh, how was your trip? Did you end up seeing her? No, we were supposed to meet and she was going to meet me halfway in South Carolina. And now she got food poisoning or her arm got chopped off. And, it, you know, that's a, that's an extreme. I'm just kidding about the arm being chopped off. But like, you know, those were legitimate scenarios where these people literally thought, you know, they were supposed to go meet somebody, not realizing this person's just, you know, playing with them. And then lastly, never send money to anyone you have only communicated with online or by phone. Be careful. Don't want to see you guys getting um, trapped into a scenario like this. This is why I really want to start doing more of these types of episodes because this is real life stuff here. This isn't something that you're going to learn in school. This isn't something that you're going to see too much on the news or anything like that, or that you can simply just, you know, pick up a book and read about it. This is stuff that's literally happening to people on a daily basis. And it's literally happening in your own hometown. You might not even just realize it. So just be careful, be mindful, be careful about who's contacting you, sliding in your DMs, sending you friend requests, especially on Facebook. I see that all the time. Just block people. Literally, just block them. It's not rude. If you don't know them and something seems off, just block them right away because there's a good chance that they're up to no good. So that concludes my episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope, you know, you may have taken away a thing or two from this. It's a learning experience for us all. Like I said, you know, this whole porting of cell phone numbers and um, address changes. I mean, these these scam artists are really trying to find just new innovative ways to get people's money, to get people's information, to just, you know, cause cause harm on them financially, socially, whatever. So just be mindful of, you know, people contacting you and everything like that. So as always, I can't wait to give you guys another episode. If you have any topics or anything that you would like for me to cover, like I, like I always say, contact me, two cents money at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram and Facebook at two cents money.com. Or sorry, that's at two cents money. That's T W O S E N S E money. I'd love to hear from you guys, you know, anything at all. If you want to talk about your personal financial situation or if, hey, you want to join me on my next episode and you want to be a guest, just hit me up. All right. And as always, stay financially savvy, stay safe, stay healthy and stay blessed. And we shall talk again soon. So again, from your favorite financial coach, Steph. Hope you guys have a bl uh, blessed day. And again, Happy New Year. We have a lot of great things coming in 2022. All right, take care. You've now listened to the Two Cents Money Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, 
hey, come check us out at twocentsmoney.com or go ahead and follow our podcast on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Two Cents Money. And hey, join the conversation if you see a post that you like. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in next time.